Hello, welcome back to the Redfern Book Review. I am your host, Amy Mayer, and today I'm back with my friend Liz Kelsey for part two of our talk on, I'm going to say classics that don't suck. That's what I'm going to say. We're basically um, highlighting a couple of classics and trying to put them in a modern context and looking at how some of these themes and devices, you know, exist today. And last week we looked at Lady Susan, which is a lesser known book by Jane Austen. And we talked a lot about adaptations and almost how adaptations, um, maybe in the form of movies, are sometimes driving people to go back and look at these classic books. And today, um, we are going to talk about uh, David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. But first, I I want to say hello to Liz. Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) Really, this is, we just spoke five minutes ago, but like we're, we're practicing our, <laughs> we're pretending we, we, it's been a week and we're back together. Um, so, okay. This book, we were just talking about this. This book is massive and it's a doorstop of a book. So we're going to, um, um, we're going to have Liz kind of lead and talk about, she's going to give a summary and talk about, um, the major themes that she wants to pull out, but we're not going to pull out everything because we're just it would, it would take too long. And um, you're not back in school. And speaking of the that, except Liz is back in school still because <laughs> she's working on her PhD. But I was going to ask you, Liz, were you in? Um, did you have grade ten or sophomore English with Dr. Salinger? Do you remember? Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if we were in the same class. Um, but I remember we read Hard Times I do remember that. by Charles Dickens. And somehow, some way, I ended up reading Hard Times twice in high school. I'm not really sure why. But I didn't, I loved that this teacher was amazing. He was a really great teacher. And I liked him because he was also kind of um, his age. He was a little bit of, I, I guess he would have come of age in the 60s. And so, you know, we would watch we'd be talking about heroes and he would show us the movie Jesus Christ Superstar. And, you know, I, I just thought he was, I felt like he was a college level professor. Like I just, anyway, but I remember hard times and I did not like that book. And I thought it was really, I just remember it. I just thought it was a very bleak. I don't remember all the details. I just remember it being kind of, I feel like dirty, dusty, hard time London. It is, and the, I think the only reason anyone does that in high school um, is it's it's short. It's the length. Oh, I was like, why would you pick that? <laughs> yeah, okay. I think that's why. Um, and you know what? Nobody, it seems, it seems to me at least that hardly, like, actually have it. Look. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, it is short. Yeah. So compared to David Copperfield, I mean, it's it's a fourth or a third, maybe. Um, and you know, like something like great expectations is it's pretty fat too. Um, and great expectations is a really good one for that age, but, um, I don't try to get high school kids to read it anymore because they just, the language blows them away. So tell me, oh, they're, they're not willing to, uh, it's too hard to get into with all the distractions with phones and mm-hmm. 
and the way they tell me the relevant, just give me what, what do you like about David Copperfield as a author of, as a whole? Um, well, it is my favorite Dickens novel. Um, probably the simplest explanation would be the characters. And I think that it's relevant to us today and for a lot of reasons, but I think the primary one is the depictions of there's a couple of situations in this novel where you have unconventional families, um, non-traditional groups of people who live together um, and who are very supportive and very happy. And it's sort of this conglomeration of eccentric characters, um, but they take care of each other. And there's just some really wonderful stories that um, result from those, from those collections of people. Um, there's that element. And I've always been fascinated with um, the way that you have a clash in this book. Uh, there are, there are some really nasty predators who create a lot of trouble. And then there are these, these hyper caregivers who um, combat them, who fight back against them. So it creates these really interesting conflicts. Um, yeah, I, I just, there's something about David Copperfield that, speaks to me more than a lot of the other Dickens novels, but um, it's supposed to be the most autobiographical. I don't know much about Charles Dickens early life, but some of it is supposed to be um, very, it's sort of a mix of truth and fiction. And it's interesting the way he titles it, the way that the actual title is, is the personal history of David Copperfield. Um, Like you have to kind of look for an original title page to find that. But the reason for that is he's he's speaking back to um, a lot of the really popular 18th century novels like Tom Jones and Joseph Andrews and Moll Flanders and Roxana and Robinson Crusoe. Those were all histories. They're like histories of a particular character. And supposedly the narrators of those stories are telling the truth. Like they're true stories. Oh, okay. And so some of this is true, but some of it's not. But the, the big thing for Dickens was... He had never talked to anybody about even his wife about the fact that he did child labor, that he worked in um, a wine bottling factory as a child because his father was in debtor's prison. I guess Mr. Micawber is, is modeled after Dickens father. who was always running from, from debt collectors. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And it, so it was a really um, painful memory for him of having to quit school and go work in a factory at, I want to say 10, like really young. Um, I wonder how he went on to get the education or ability to write so well. He had a, um, I want to say an uncle, I think that helped him out that got him out of there and got him in school. Got him back in school. Okay. So give us a summary. What is, what is the story of David Copperfield? Okay. Well, it interestingly begins the first chapter is I am born. So it actually starts with his birth. And um, he is born to a widow. His mother is a very uh, sweet, pretty, simple-minded, sexy little woman. Um, And she's a very doting mother. She loves him very much. And they have this wonderful servant named Peggy. And they call her her surname because she has the same first name as David's mother. They're both Clara, so they call her Peggy. And he lives in this really lovely home for the first for his early years and he's loved and he, it's all happy and sunny and rosy. 
And then his mother uh, gets married to a Mr. Murdstone. And thing goes, things go downhill from there because he um, he is cruel. He is controlling. He brings in his uh, biker lady sister, lady <laughs> uh, Miss Jane Murdstone, and they they take over the house and they dominate everything. And um, it's pretty rough. Those some of those early scenes uh, when David's little with Mister Murdstone. I actually like. Several years ago, I thought I would read that book again, and I, I couldn't do it because my kids were little, and I just couldn't deal with oh yeah abuse. Um, but then it goes on. You know, David has time where he's off at boarding school because Mr. Mertz, after he bites Mr. Murdstone, he sends him away. Um, and then when his mother dies, Mr. Murdstone places him in a in a in a factory doing labor, and that's um, kind of where his adventures begin. Um, he leaves after a time, he leaves the factory and he goes to find his aunt, his aunt, uh, Betsy Trotwood. And that, that is probably of anything I love the most about this novel. It is probably that character and her, that life that she created for herself, um, living in her house with Mr. Dick. (laughs) (laughs) Kills me. He's fantastic. Um, and the way that when she, how she adopts him, um, they create the most unconventional, especially for the time. Um, and there's a point where he says, where David says that he never thought, there's a line down here somewhere. Basically, he says, I never thought that my family would, like, having, my, that my two guardians were, were strange or that I had a strange situation because he's happy. But, you know, from conventional standards, they would be very odd that he's being raised by his aunt and um, this man who, if it was not for Betsy Trotwood, Mr. Dick would be institutionalized. He would be in in an insane asylum, which in the Victorian age was not a place that you want to be. No. And so I guess in a way, not how kooky that is, but I guess what you are going to say is a, there's a parallel is today families can be lots of things so like right. maybe it's that's a bit of a lots of things and you have the same thing with mr peggotty and his um the way he's taken in mrs gummidge and um little emily and ham and none of them are um they're not his children but he takes care of all of these people and it and when David goes there when he's little, he finds it just to be the most extraordinary place because they're this great family. Um, but the other thing I'm always really taken with, with Betsy Trotwood is the way that she, you know, she's depicted sort of, she's depicted as very eccentric, right? And a little bit, a little bit masculine. Didn't you think the way that she's described? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And um, sort of she has this kind of rough exterior, like she's always chasing the donkeys off the lawn and shouting at people about that. Um, but this, what she does, her story has so much to say about, um, about abuse and people surviving abusive situations um, because she was married to somebody who was cruel to her. And you don't really know, you do meet him. That's the, 
creep that she meets on the street in London and, and she's afraid of and she gives him money. Um, and you never, you never know his name, but somehow she got out of that and she had enough money herself that she could live fine. But, but the way that she exhibits the damage from that relationship, you don't know if he beat her or if he was just unkind to her or what, but she, she takes She's very protective of people who are vulnerable, like Mr. Dick, like little David Copperfield who's run away desperately. And um, the way that she takes down Mr. Murdstone when he comes to her house is, is really quite something. Do you remember that scene where? Yes. Yes. It, yeah. They, so that character seems very modern then is what like, the woman. Yeah, that's what she does. Um, it does, does seem rather modern, but she's so powerful. Like, she's such a powerful character in the way that, um, you know, Mr. Murdstone, who's a little terrifying, um, she says, you, you murdered that poor baby. I mean, she calls him a killer. And he actually, you know, and it, of course it's through David's perspective, but David says that as he was standing in the door, it looked like he is, he's breathing as if he had been running. Like, he she scares him to death because he, she calls him out on, on being a predator and being abusive and being this controlling, domineering, just dreadful man. And he, he knows she's right. And she doesn't ultimately win because Mr. Murdstone later finds another very young, naive girl who's barely of age to marry and marries her. And I think about the same thing happens, but, what? It's impressive for 1850 to, ha- to, to create that dynamic and have such, uh, to ha- have a showdown like that. It's so intense. Why do you think he created characters that were so extreme? It seems to me that the only character that's not extreme is David Copperfield, that he's somewhere in the middle, but everybody else is either really good, it seems like, good or bad and even their names it seems like their names denote if they're good or bad like mr murdstone and yeah the mr the murderer um well dickens did that he named his characters sort of that would reflect like remember mr Gradgrind and yeah. yeah yeah i mean he he did that but he also um a lot of his stuff was read aloud because you know, so many people could not read oh okay yeah so he gave them um he made the, the characters rather strong and unique, but he also gave them sayings. Like you, you notice some of the characters um, repeat things like Mrs. Gummidge always says, I'm a lone Lord creature. And Uriah Heap says, I'm so humble and all that. It helps you keep track of them. Oh, interesting. How, how would they be read aloud? Would they be read aloud? Could you go somewhere to have them read aloud? Or it would just be someone in your family could read and the rest of you um, couldn't? I mean, I think it was a variety of things. I think, you know, you'd find a literate guy on the street and they'd get together and read these things because they came out. They were also serialized. Okay. In installments. And so you'd get your three or chapter. I don't know how many chapters came out at a time. Um, and read that edition. And then he would usually end on sort of a cliffhanger and he actually invented sort of the concept of the cliffhanger. And so you'd want to buy the next one. Right. So, and then when they were, when it was all done, then they would 
actually go buy back a lot of the magazines that they've been published in and then find them and sell them again. He made a lot of money. So he was very popular mm-hmm. at the, in the day. Very popular. Um, now, have you seen the personal history of David Copperfield, the TV, sh- the, the movie? I have. Yeah. And I really liked that. Um, that is with, um, Dev Patel from Slumdog Millionaire as David Copperfield, um, Hugh Laurie as Mr. Dick, Tilda Swinton, great casting, yeah, as Betsy Trotwood. And, oh, I can't remember where I saw it, if it's on Apple or Amazon. I'll put it in the show notes, but you can find it streaming. And what was really great was, I thought it was colorful, like, um, and then the way they, they did this also in last week when we were talking about love and friendship, like the way they segue to different scenes. Like I think when someone came for the one character going to debtor's prison, like they're literally pulling him in a rug out the door. Like it was a bit, there was comedy mixed in. And I also like the diversity of the casting. It kind of was like Bridgerton right. where they put Dev Patel in as David Copperfield, but it was never addressed. He's just there. And it just, it was I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I like that too. I like the the way that diversity. I mean, London was very diverse at the time. I mean, I know yeah. the characters in the actual novel or not, but I think that I think that's great the way they do that. Um, and I did really. I love um, the way that they did Mr. Dick. Hugh Laurie was great at that. It was um, good. Um, so. What was it? There were a couple of things about, oh, I wanted to um, also talk about, have you seen this? I was thinking about this book that I'm, I have, and I looked at it today. It's 1,001 books uh-huh. you must read before you die. And it, what it is, is it starts back with like Aesop fables and you can see like each, there's a, um, like a picture and pick a picture of the author, but it has all the major books. It, it ends in 2006, um, but you can look up books like David Copperfield and kind of, it. Not, it's not as much as you're able to go into depth, but I find that's kind of a little nice reference point oh, nice. as an adult to look at things. But um, yeah, is there anything else you want to say about David Copperfield? Well, I can talk about David Copperfield all day. But, well, let's um, talk. We can let's talk some more then. Um, it's also really uh, disability studies is big now in academia. A lot of people are talking about disability studies and the way that characters with various disabilities are portrayed. And um, Mr. Dick is a pretty early like. Here's a character who now Betsy Trotwood says he's not mad. He's not out of his mind. But then she kind of acknowledges that he has a condition. She does acknowledge that. Um, but it's, it's kind of a, it's an interesting, interesting portrayal of somebody who clearly has some, some delusions, right? His obsession with King Charles I and how his thoughts got into his, into his head when his head was, Charles I's head was cut off in 1649. Um, but he's such a valuable character in the way that I think it's just incredibly. Um, well, he's loved. And I think people that have mental illness sometimes also in a weird way, speak the truth. Like. Right. In, in a strange way, Par- partly they're not filtered. Right. 
I don't know if you agree. Yeah, with that. yeah, but he, he seems very aware that he's not right. It's not like he doesn't know. Like he's he's yeah. very conscious that without Betsy Trotwood, he would be institutionalized. Right. So yeah, it's true. But I also think that um, I think David Copperfield is a bit of a mix of all of these things. Like he gets a lot from good people in his life, like Peggy and Mr. Peggy and Betsy Trotwood. But I also think there's a little bit of um, a little bit of Murdstone in him. Like if you think about his first marriage, that occurred to you that kind of what he does with Doris Spenlow, that that's a little bit like what happened with his mother. Oh no. Because that's a very Oedipal, like, didn't you think his choice of her, like she's very childish and um, cute and, you know, she has her little dog, Jip, right? Right, right. And so it's almost like the way that um, David's mother, she had her little boy and, um, and, and Dora's not capable of being an adult and running a house and being aware of anything, but kind of her, her curls and her little dog and what happens to her after she's married for a while. Right. Yeah. Um, and of course, Davis is telling the story, so you only get his perspective. But you have to. It seems like there's a bit of a parallel there, where you have um, somebody who's trying to be serious and firm and economize, and a person who's ill-equipped for that, and she ends up expiring. It's it's um how long the book is like a thousand is it a thousand how long is it. About a thousand pages, I think. Who's your favorite? Who are your favorite characters? I like Peggy. I yeah, just found her so. Um, I just like the nurturing side, mm-hmm. and I. Um, I also liked. Um, I would say I, I I liked David Copperfield. I saw him as I I guess I don't know if I'm reading this right, but I just saw him as the observer character. Like I just didn't. He was the almost the sponge that everything. I mean, I don't know. Is that? I don't know. Well, I mean, as a narrator, it feels like that a lot. He's he's telling everything that's going on, and sometimes he seems a bit passive. He's a bit passive, but. I, I, the characters were so extreme. I mean, I found them quite extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, but Peggy, I liked the most, and I liked I liked the what they they called her by the last name, and that it just. Um, and then the the least I probably was Mister Murdstone. Well, yeah, I mean he's. Yeah. He was the, um, and I think I like um, the Betsy Betsy Trotwood's character as well. And and I wouldn't mind living on that estate. I think it'd be kind of fun. I yeah, it'd be a great estate. <laughs> mind the donkeys that keep going over the. <laughs> um. So do you te- you don't teach Charles Dickens? What? Not. No. I have taught Great Expectations, but it yeah, I let that one go. <laughs> um. What do you teach? What do you teach in lieu of that? Like, what what do you find? does capture the kids' attention? Well, um, 
it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, I do try really hard to find things that that they will like, but um, especially teaching all boys. Like right now with my seniors, I have kind of a a crime and punishment theme. Certainly not reading crime crime and punishment with them, but I do like that book a lot. Yes, it's a great book. Um, kind of everything we're all the bigger works we're reading have some sort of um, <clears throat> criminal of sorts in there. Like we just did uh, Frankenstein that certainly has multiple criminals in it. Um, we're going to do no country for old men. Um, we're going to do native son by Richard Wright. Um, I've done in cold blood and in my, my crime lineup um, and they get, I am also, I'm going to do Henry the fourth part one the history play with them. I haven't taught that one in a while, but we'll see how it goes. That's good. Um, okay. Well, I think that's, that's good. And I really appreciate it was, it was, so, it was a lot of fun to hang out with you and, um, I wish you the best of luck too. the next time I when how much longer I know you probably hate getting asked you're working on your PhD. What's your progress? Like, when do you think you'll be done? Uh, well, I'm, I have everything finished except the dissertation. Yeah. I've done all the comps and all that. Um, I hope my goal is the end of next summer. It's great. That's so. good. Okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thank you, Amy. I really appreciate you having me. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much to Liz Kelsey for coming back on the podcast for a second episode on classics. And I didn't, I don't know about you, but I did not know that, um, in some of the classic books like Charles Dickens, uh, there were so many characters that each character would kind of have an opening kind of phrase. So if they were told orally, people could remember them kind of like a play. So that was kind of interesting. And uh, I wanted you to remind you or let you know that next month I'm going to have another academic on and we're going to be talking about love. We're going to do a two-parter on romance and why romance is, um, I believe, the number one genre out there and kind of the history behind it. Thank you so much for listening and please follow me on Instagram at Redfern Book Review and I will talk with you soon. Thanks.